strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Raid. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Then zone for Fitz. Goes up and makes the game-winning catch. Larry Legend does it again. The Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up. Temperature rising. Vision blurring. Rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. Get the popcorn ready. It's going to be a show. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! Well, well, well. I think we all know a certain someone who's feeling the effects of yesterday dare i say a certain well-known somebody who's perhaps nursing an extra large hangover today who who might have needed some help dare i say wolf getting a hold of his sea legs as Um, he uh are you talking about ba or (laughs) no (laughs) i'm talking about the guy who thoroughly enjoyed his seventh Super Bowl victory celebration. <laughs> now that he doesn't have a coach, who's actually at the podium the day or the days after winning his Super Bowl, shouting "No days off!" Oh, right. Instead, it's quite a different celebration, and uh, he partook and maybe had a little too much yesterday. I'm talking about uh, BA's quarterback, TB12. Yeah, Tom Brady, right there, Polly. That was a little disconcerting. I've got to tell you that, Polly, especially the the shot of him throwing the Lombardi Trophy. Uh, from his boat, of course. I, I would estimate some 20 feet, Polly, some 20 feet in the air. And Cameron Bright, of course, is the guy that actually brought it down. But Rob Gronkowski also aided a little um, uh, little help on that catch right there. And you know what? It, the disconcerting part of that was his nine-year-old daughter, Viva, <laughs> saying, no, Daddy, no. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was the part that got my attention, Paul. He, he didn't hear the voice of reason at that moment. No, there was a uh, you know, And it wasn't necessarily the 20 feet between the boats. I, I think it was the 80 feet worth of depth of the Hillsborough River. Uh, as someone pointed out, it was 80 feet deep. No so way. Is it really, Paul? Somebody said it's 80 feet deep at that point in the river. So now that's a dive. I mean, you would have had to brought to divers in to actually retrieve the Lombardi, yeah. correct? I mean, if that would have been an incomplete pass of the Lombardi, yeah, you're absolutely right. Wasn't well, so like somebody was diving and jumping overboard. <laughs> right. Hey, I'll go get it. Right. So uh, there, that was the very definition of working without a net. Put it that way. <laughs> and so they got it done. And and I love when when they actually did give Bruce Arians the mic. How many times did he say, "We're going to be back"? And uh, you know what? We're yes. going to win it again, and all the players are going to be back, despite the fact they have over a half dozen big-time free agents. But uh, a lot of bravado at the mic. The BNBA standing for bravado. That with, all right, <laughs> all right. I said a lot of all rights. You know, I, I think it's a Nick Saban thing. I really do, Paulie. Yeah, Nick Saban, have you noticed this? He, he happens to say, all right, after he says something, right? It, it's kind of like I say, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? He says, all right. Uh, I, it's it's catching on, Paul. The Nick Saban thing, I think, is catching on with other coaches out there because I've never heard B.A. say, all right, as much as he said it. <laughs> I always took that as you're in a position of power and you want those who are subordinate to you to nod accordingly. 
<laughs> That's why you're saying you it. You want the affirmation as you're going. Yes. Is that what you're saying? The affirmation, the acknowledgement, the buy-in that I'm in charge. You're listening to me. All right? <laughs> All right. Here's the way it's going to be. So... Tonight on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert, we are Santan Ford. Tonight's special guest, former Cardinals linebacker, Cardinals broadcaster, Rob Fredrickson. All right? Freddie. Yeah. So, look, he saw every snap of every game. The man has opinions. We know that. All you have to do is listen to the postgame show. So, Rob Fredrickson, what did he see? What does he think needs to happen on both sides of the ball? Where exactly is the NFC West now? Where is it going? Uh, we have questions. Do we not, Ron Wolfley? Yes, Polly. How, how did he like the boat parade as well? Sure. Uh, it's not like Rob is uh, foreign to celebrations in the locker room. <laughs> I, as a former Raider, I mean, the man knows how to party. So that's all coming hey, up Dave. on the Big Red Rage. Freeman, wide right, Diggs split to the left. Matched up on Pat P. Allen back to throw, looking for Diggs. Instead steps up, throws deep middle, picked off. Peterson got that one. He's at his 40-yard line, running far side of the 45 and down there. Pat P got Allen that time. I've done all I can to present, you know, that I, I would love to be here. But at the end of the day, you know, it's up to them. Uh, we just have to wait and see what the future brings after the season. It's Patrick Peterson. At the conclusion of 2020, you're the interception against Buffalo. Patrick Peterson now, after the conclusion of a five-year, $70 million contract, what is his future? That is one of the biggest questions for the Big Red here in the offseason. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert. Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley. The season is over. So you know what? We continue, though, with Thursday night football, do we not? And the big talk right now, if you're a Cardinals fan, what exactly is the future of Patrick Peterson? Ron Wolfley, do you have a gut feeling, a forecast? What do you think at this point? Yeah, Paulie, you know what? Honestly, right now, I would love to see Pat P come back with the Arizona Cardinals. I just don't know if that's going to be the case. You covet what you don't have, Paulie, and the grass is greener on the other side. You take those two axioms that have been around for a long, long time, and I think what's going to happen is there's going to be a team out there that is going to pay Patrick Peterson something that Steve Kime and the Arizona Cardinals would not pay. That's my gut feeling on that. I hope I'm dead wrong on that, Paulie. I hope that Pat P comes back. I still think he's got real value. He's not a he's maybe not that shutdown corner that he once was, but he's still a very good corner in this league. Well, he did shut down something else here this week, and that was a report from a fan site that apparently, according to this report, and we use that loosely, that he and the Cardinals are quote parting ways barring a significant change in stances, end quote, over a new contract. Now, Pat P. went on his podcast, and uh, he shot that down something fierce. In fact, he called it, quote, a dirty rumor, which is why I think it made virtually every single national uh, you know, platform, including the New York Post, because they're obligated to run anything that has the words dirty rumor in it. But that was his <laughs> words. And he said, me and the team haven't talked about contracts. We haven't talked about parting ways. And at the end, he said, geez, give me a break. The offseason just started, and we're nowhere near March 17th, the official start of the league year. I'm with you to a certain degree, Wolf. I, I don't think there's going to be sort of big offer from the Cardinals come the start of the league year. Yeah. I do wonder what the rest of the league thinks. I think if there's one team out there that's going to blow the doors off someone, I get the sense it's going to be Hassan Reddick. I actually fear that more than hmm. losing Patrick Peterson to another team 
via a big offer. I just wonder where Hassan Reddick is, his age, and the need for pass rushers. Not that you know, a cornerback isn't, isn't a position that's of utmost importance in the NFL, but just where he is in his career and what we've seen in the past, the guys like Olivier Vernon and so forth has gotten those big numbers. I actually worry more about Hassan Reddick, although – I don't discount the fact that somebody out there covets Patrick Peterson. Yeah, no, Paulie, I'm, I'm with you on that. Listen, I think Pat P is still a guy that can line up press man. He can line up and play man off. As a matter of fact, I, I don't think his instincts are really, really great when you play zone cover. A guy like Richard Sherman, stop and think about Richard Sherman right now. He has built his entire career based on the fact that he's going to play that deep third, cover three, three deep zone, four underneath. He's going to play that deep third about as well as any. Anybody has ever played that deep third, especially when you're talking about a corner. Now, Richard Sherman is also a guy that I think at some point will make that move, and maybe it's the next year to safety. I think he's that good of a tackler, open field, you could actually move him to safety. We've seen many corners do that over the course of their career. I don't think Pat P is in that boat right there. Pat P is still a guy that can line up and play man. Now, you get an awful lot of man beaters out there. You get teams that are running a lot of man uh, beater routes, which makes it very, very difficult, but that's who Vance Joseph truly is well if you're talking about crossers as patrick p calls him uh he talked about that and he admitted he needs to get better in that area you know just have to go back and and watch the film and and, and just continue watching how teams are, are attacking me which is you know covering drags and, and crossers running through traffic so I have to find a way doing this offseason of, of, of maneuvering better through things like that it was there obviously it is, it was a big problem week four against Carolina. We know that, but it was a persistent problem at times through the rest of the season as well, wasn't it? Yes, and the reason being is because of, of Vance Joseph, of course, a defensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals. He is a, a Wade Phillips disciple to some degree, and that's exactly what he loves to play. He loves to play cover one, which is man free. Man across the board with a free safety high in the middle of the field, right? This is what the Arizona Cardinals love. They love to go with a lot of man, a lot of complex pressure packages as well. You'll see that on third and obvious pass situations, but the Cardinals love to run man. And, you know, anytime you do that, guess what? The other team is looking at tape on you and they're saying, okay, what do we need to do? Well, what do you say we get into a bunch formation, a trips formation to one side of the field and we run a bunch of crossers? What do you say we get in two by two and we run the scissors play, right? We run a bunch of crossing routes and and drags, as you heard Pat P talking about right there they know what to run against the arizona cardinals they're called man beater route combinations and it's tough it's one of the hardest routes for any corner to cover and i'm talking about historically Deion sanders had a hard time on a drag route a quick drag right off the snap of the ball not gaining any depth upfield but immediately running across because of the speed that you're talking about a lot of these receivers having so it's a difficult proposition for any corner and the cardinals do need to get better on that but there's not much you can do when a team lines up and knows you're going to be in man cover that's what they're going to run and when they don't do a lot of that look at how he performed against a dk metcalf twice yes he really did shut down Great a point, DK Metcalf. so um yeah that that definitely has been the third rail and has been a vexing problem for patrick peterson here's the other problem for the arizona cardinals who's better right now in the depth chart so 
you know, I've been talking about it since basically midseason. I think the Cardinals are going round one cornerback. But if that guy isn't there and somebody takes that guy before the Cardinals draft, obviously, you know, they might have to come up with another plan at corner. And if he does get a big offer from someone else, as you mentioned, then look out. They're really thin at outside corner. We'll talk to Rob Fredrickson about this, uh, both the offense and the defense. He's our special guest as we roll on. The Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray and shotgun has the football. Short set, throws a deep ball. Left side, single coverage, and it is pulled in by DeAndre Hopkins, and he's got a touchdown. What a throw by Kyler Murray, and what a catch. Great throw by Kyler Murray, but an even better read. Touchdown. Snap to Murray, and he keeps it himself, running left. Got a defender with him at the five. Breaks a tackle, dives, ball comes out, but he crossed the plane. Touchdown. Kyler Murray somehow, someway, found a way to get that pig across Pater. Big time play by the mighty Kyler Murray. That was foreshadowing there because Kyler Murray soon after was named the NFC Offensive Player of the Week. That was that big win, Week 7 at Seattle, 37-34, actually at home, Sunday night football as they got the win. That was the game where they trailed 10-0, 27-14, 34-24. And then between Kyler and D-Hop, we heard there the 35-yard touchdown, the one where they all looked at the sideline. And then Kyler cracked the smile and threw the touchdown to uh, D-Hop. So all part of that win in the 5-2 and two start. But... The Cardinals end up losing five of the last seven, and so we're trying to assess and diagnose that. Ron Wolfley, yours truly, Paul Calvisi, and joined by former Cardinals linebacker, Cardinals broadcaster, uh, Rob Fredrickson here on the Big Red Rage. And Rob, earlier, uh, we remembered how Wolf's been a part of many a boot parade. Have you ever been in a (laughs) boat parade? Just for you know, for facts off the top. Well, I grew up in Michigan. We we have a lot of boat parades, Paulie. That's right. That's right on Lake Michigan. Uh, Lake Michigan, Bear Lake, St. Joe River, wherever you want. There's yeah, but a boat Freddie, somewhere. You can find it in Michigan, trust Fre- me. Freddie, you didn't answer the question, though. I mean, honestly, how many boot parades have you been in? No, zero. <laughs> zero. <laughs> no, here's the question. I, I don't believe that on campus at Michigan State. Here's the question. Come, coming off, coming off, well, okay, between Michigan State, East Lansing, and then coming off the Phoenix Open, and then as a member of the Raiders, who had the best parties? Was it in college? Was it the Phoenix Open, or was it when you were a Raider? You know, I'm going to plead the fifth, but I, I will say, you know, Michigan State is an is a, is educational institution of the highest order. Okay? Sure. Get out of here, Sparty. Yeah, when you guys are burning furniture on the front porch for warmth during frat parties, okay. Burn the couch, Polly. That's right. That's right. Well, it's all about you, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We're talking to Rob Fredrickson, former Cardinals linebacker, and we're talking offense in this segment. So, Rob, to you, what was the difference between the Cardinals, the high-flying Cardinals offense that started 5-2, and two, and then, as we just documented, the team that lost five of its last seven and, and struggled more often than not down the stretch? Yeah, I love how you come to the linebacker, former linebacker for offensive uh, uh, diagnosis. But, you, you know, honestly, Paulie, uh, I saw some things with the Cardinals offense this year that um, obviously there were some difficulties, but I, I think I saw some things that they can really build on. And what I really liked what they did kind of in the middle of the season and then maybe they got away from it a little, but they started moving D-Hop around a little. Instead of just 
outstanding him over to the left side, stagnant and running three or four routes. They're starting to move him around, get him into the slot, motion him a little bit, do some crossing routes. Um, th- those those are things that I think they need to build on offensively um, next season. And another thing that that uh, Wolf and I, you and I have talked about this a lot um, that I saw a little little bit of glimpses of, but not enough. Uh, it's Kyler under center. Yes, you know, you know, get him under center. That opens up the offense so much in terms of the running game. You know, it allows that uh, Kenyon Drake or Ch- Chase Edmonds to to really get downhill and get into those zone reads. But it also opens up that play action pass and those bootlegs, and and it allows Kyler Murray to really do what he's best at, and that's utilize uh, time and space. And uh, th- those are things I think. Um, that they can do going forward uh, and, and maybe become a bigger part of the offensive game plan that I, that I really um, have has, has me looking forward to 2021. You know what's interesting about this? I think the Arizona Cardinals have to pull back and parachute in from 30,000 feet on this one when you speak offensively. And you've got to come up with a philosophy. What are you offensively? What are you going to be? I think the Arizona Cardinals, to some degree, got predictable in the second half of the season yeah. with all the things they do. Predictable, to your point, about lining up DeAndre Hopkins on one side of the field for the most part. Yeah, they started moving him around. The same thing with Kyler Murray, just being too predictable where he's going to be. Why not expand the football universe and move Kyler Murray under center? Why not put him in the gun put him in the pistol and use these formations more and move him around i think they they became too predictable in the second half of that season and it sounds like you agree with that freddie well well and not only that well if i don't have a problem with the shotgun and there's there's some good things that come out of it oh yeah like the rpos but to me they were always just rros it was always just, you know, am I going to hand it off or am I going to run as Kyler Murray? There was never that pass option off of it. And and to me, they need to expand on that and, you know, utilize uh, Dan Arnold over the middle. Uh, but really, you know, expand on that. Um, and you're right. It, it become a little bit more unpredictable because we all know, um, and, and Cardinal fans are probably – Tired and sick to death of the wide receiver screens and the jet sweeps and the the, the run plays that bounce out to the outside. Those those are hard to execute in, in the NFL with the, with the, the speed of defenses and just their ability to get off blocks. You have to be able to mix it up, run and pass, play action, and and keep the defenses on their toes. See, I love that, Freddie. I love that because sometimes you, listen when I talk about philosophy. What I'm saying is the Arizona Cardinals, I think, have to say to themselves, and I'm sure they have, you know what, sometimes we've got to be able to line up and just be better than the guy across from us. Sometimes we have to just line up and listen, the defense knows what's coming. You see this all the time. The Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers, they're going to run tackle zone. They're going to run that stretch play. They are going to run that because their offense is built on that very much like the Rams offense was built last year with Jared Goff on that offense as well. We're going to run the tackle zone and here it comes. You know it's coming and sometimes you just got to expect your guys to go out and execute and be better than the guy lined up over him yeah and 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 wolf i would i would just add to that sometimes it's not even about being better um i was watching the super bowl with my son and he and he said yeah dad the kansas city chiefs can't run the ball they're getting stuffed and i said they need to keep trying though 
because that sets up things. That'll that'll force those safeties to come down, and then you can hit the play action over it. But they 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 went away from it, right? Yeah, they absolutely, gotta, Freddie. I'm not I'm not I'm talking about three yards, four yards. That's what yeah. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were doing in Super Bowl yeah. Fifty Five. They were just running into the pile for the most part. And how many times have we seen that? That pile suddenly gives way in the second half, in the third quarter, in the fourth. <laughs> it gives way and. You know, again, I think it starts, it's got to start with a philosophy. I think Cliff Kingsbury and his staff, I know that's what they're doing this offseason. They're coming up, what are we going to be? Where is our right. identity? Because I think identity matters. Rob Fredrickson, well, our guest, it's all about you, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. And Rob, you brought up what I was going to cite, and that's those two high safeties. Because we talked about it in November and December on Cardinals broadcast, adjust to the adjustment it seemed like a lot of game plans against kyler and company involved the two high safeties what did todd bowles do against patrick mahomes i saw john clayton just wrote an article about the seahawks that's exactly what defenses were doing to stymie russell wilson after he got off to an mvp start to me rob they got to figure out a way to do something about that two high safety look and 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 to me, it's running the football. Yes. When they were in gear the second half of Cliff Kingsbury's first year and the first half of his second year, they were running the ball effectively. Yeah, it's running the football and, and, and sticking with it. Like I said, even if it's not successful, even if it's only for two yards or three yards, to me that's successful. Yes. Because um, that sets up so much else off the play action. And and then the middle of the field is wide open, okay, with the two high safeties. you got you got a guy like Dan Arnold. Uh, give me a break. Him against a middle linebacker, that, that should be a win every every time. All right, so key free agents, guys. You mentioned Dan Arnold. Uh, how about Kelvin Beecham at right tackle? Uh, you know, if yeah. he's not back, do you trust Josh Jones? Real quick as we go to break here, is that a guy you would just plug and play, the rookie who didn't get a whole bunch of snaps in his rookie year? Well, he didn't get a lot of snaps, but they, they drafted him where they did for a reason. And, I, you know, I, I think he's a good young player. Uh, that's a tough position, though. And, and Beecham played pretty well this season. So, I, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen with him, but I'd, I'd like to bring him back. But I, I'm high on Josh Jones going into the future. Yeah, Paulie, they're going to give Josh Jones, I think, every opportunity to win that job. But I'm with Rob on this. Calvin Beecham, man. You want to talk about a kind time sign? That was an excellent sign. He did a very professional job at right tackle. J.R. Sweezy, Max Garcia, free agents, of course, Kenyon Drake. We'll flip sides, talk defense next with Rob Fredrickson on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Snap to Wilson. Cardinals bringing some pressure. It's picked up. Wilson with time in the pocket. Now in trouble and sacked. About four Cardinals in the backfield, but it's Isaiah Simmons, the rookie, that gets the Russell Wilson first to force a punt. Shotgun snap to Wilson, straight drop back, steps up in the pocket, takes off, running far side at the 40, and drilled by Simmons at the 41. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Shotgun snap, Wilson, quick throw to the left flat, Metcalf caught it at the 38, dropped by Isaiah Simmons for a loss at the 37-yard line. Simmons has played terrific football tonight. The rookie really starting to get comfortable out there. You heard the sack. He had a team high 10 tackles in that game. That was the Week 11 game at the Seahawks Thursday night football. Wolf, I remember doing Big Red Rage in the days after the draft where he went number eight overall 
to the Arizona Cardinals, and you said you had one big question and one only, and that was just the level of physicality yes. he would bring to the NFL. Did he answer that question for Yes, you? he did, Paulie. He did. I saw everything I wanted to see from Isaiah Simmons and whether or not he's willing to stick his face into the fire. And it wasn't just the fact that when he got the opportunity to play inside linebacker and when they would line him up there, the weak side inside, that he would come downhill and take on the block and stick his face in there, which he would. But it was also in the open field how he went about tackling. Um, I think back to Cam Newton in that New England Patriots game. Now, listen, he got flagged on it, Paul. He got flagged on it. That's because he hit the quarterback too hard. Paul, I'm telling you right now, he did. And would you say Cam Newton running is a big man running? He is a big man running. And Isaiah Simmons put the face right on him. I, I realize they threw the flag on it. I still think it was a clean hit by Isaiah Simmons. I dispute the call, but yeah, he answered all those questions. And you heard Rob Fredrickson there. He is our guest on the Big Red Rage. Rob, you played the position, first round pick as a linebacker. You tell us your uh, rookie season impressions on Isaiah Simmons. You know, it, it was a little bit of a long learning curve for Isaiah, and, and, and let's all cut him some slack, because if you think back to his senior season in Clemson, most of his snaps, the majority of his snaps were spent in the slot covering receivers or at the safety position. Yeah, he didn't, he, he wasn't up along, around the line of scrimmage the majority of time, so... Um, I, I give him some slack, you know, especially early on. It, it was it was a it was a tough learning experience for him, and I you know, and I think he was kind of down on himself, but uh, he dug himself out of that. And the, the second half of the season, he really came on. The light the light bulb kind of turned on, and and like Wolf, like you said, he you know. Uh, when he's when he's getting to the ball carrier, he's he's coming with some with yeah. some malice, and I love that. So if you're Vance Joseph, Rob, uh, is he automatically plugged in now, speaking of versatility and flexibility, is he automatically replacing Devondre Campbell and you're leaving him there for the entirety of games? Because we saw him inside, we saw him on the edge, we saw him at slot corner, we saw him at deep safety this year. Is he now officially an inside linebacker after Devondre Campbell we expect to, to leave You know, after one year? One of the biggest indicators to whether or not you're going to be a good pro, in my opinion, is that that leap from your first year to your second year. That's where you see the biggest growth, and I, and I think you're going to see it from Isaiah Simmons. And and in my opinion, Paulie, he's too good of a player to ever be on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, uh, he's too good of a talent. He's too good of an athlete, and he's fast. And this league, the way it is right now. You have to be fast. Speed kills. Isaiah Simmons has it. He has to be on the field all the time. So, okay, now that's that question. There are other questions, obviously, on the defensive side of the ball, like defensive line. Jordan Phillips, uh, you know, underwhelming season to say the least. What about Corey Peters in your estimation? Here's a guy, a veteran. We know his value on the field, in the locker room. There could be cap restrictions. Where do you think he rates in terms of uh, importance for the Cardinals? Well, I mean, of course, we all love Corey Peters, and, and you know, I, I'd love to have him. The the rookies that we signed last year, Rashad Lawrence and Lucky Fotu, um, you know, those guys have to step up now. They have to step up. I don't know if Corey Peters is going to be back. I don't. I don't know that situation. Zach Allen's another guy. Um, you know, he's had some injury issues. Got to stay on the field. Those are. Those are just. 
you know, there's some depth with this defensive line. Yeah, we have a, we have a couple uh, possible free agents, but um, those are guys that you know have to step up and and be consistent and be available more than anything. They have to be available, and we have to be able to rely on them. You know, I thought Paulie too as well. I thought Vance jo- uh, Joseph did an excellent job as a defensive coordinator. I know nobody wants to hear that out there because everyone looks at our defense and thinks the 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 defense for the Arizona Cardinals it stinks. When actually, we all know what Vance Joseph was dealing with last year. Once again, you've got no Chandler Jones. Would you say that's a big important part to your defense? Yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. With Robert Alford. Robert Alford, for two years now, Robert Alford was the best corner opposite of Pat P since Pat P has been here. I, I, I mean that he is the best corner from a skill, from a talent perspective. He's the best they've ever had opposite of Pat P, and the guy hasn't played in two years because of two freak injuries in training camp right now. If they can get him back, if they can get Jalen Thompson back on a regular basis, Paulie, I loved, Freddie, what did you see from Jalen Thompson? Because I loved what I saw from this kid. Loved him. And you know what? I think his uh, starting mate there, safety mate, Buda Baker, it's like osmosis. It just right. wears off on people. And you're you're like you know when they show that film wolf on Monday, I don't want I don't want to see Buddha Baker flying to the ball and me kind of you know kind of getting there. No, uh, and I think I think Buddha Baker has been good for Jalen Thompson because Jalen Thompson uh, to me has far exceeded any expectation. I, I really love him as a safety. And let me just say this quickly right here: the Arizona Cardinals defense, number ten in passing yards per game allowed. Number 10 in passing yards per game allowed. Number 7 in passing yards per play allowed. Paulie, you put those two things together right there, you're a top 10 team. Now listen, it's not because teams decided to run the ball against the Arizona Cardinals. They did that, there's no doubt. But when you're number 7 in passing yards per play allowed as well, that says you're buttoned up, you know what it is you're doing, you don't have a bunch of receivers running wide open in the secondary, and there's some good coverage and some good tackling that is going on there. It's one of the reasons why the Arizona Cardinals were number 14 in defensive quarterback rating. Now listen, I can tell you right now, I know that quarterback rating matters because the top 10 every year, you look at the top 10 names that are in quarterback rating every year, guess what? They're the best quarterbacks in the NFL. It's funny the way that works. So that tells me there's some merit there, that it's a good indicator as to how a human being is playing the quarterback position in the National Football League. Flip it over on the defensive quarterback rating. The fact the Arizona Cardinals were number 14, I think that would – shock a lot of people number 14 in the league no Chandler Jones as I said no Jalen Thompson for the most part of course he was in and out of the lineup all year long Isaiah Simmons he didn't have a position for him basically trying to figure it out I I think this defense is going to be much better in this coming season right who's I'm sorry Paulie go ahead I would say, who's opposite of Chandler Jones? You know, right now, Hassan Reddick, Marcus Golden, both going to be unrestricted free agents. I fear Hassan Reddick's going to get big money from at least one team out there. I know a lot of mock drafts have the Cardinals going edge rusher. What do you think should happen at the uh, the spot opposite Chandler? 
Well, I think you know. Obviously, you're going to have to wait and see what happens with Hassan Reddick. You know, and and back to Wolf's earlier point about Vance Joseph. I mean, you lose Chandler Jones, Hassan Reddick steps up, Gardeck steps up huge. Yeah. I mean, you you got so many uh, pressures and 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 sacks from players from different positions and different alignments last year. To me, that that was awesome. Um, but you're right, Paul. You know that that is an area of need for the Cardinals. That uh, that outside pass rush, and if it's not Hassan Reddick, who's it going to be? Are we going to address it in free agency, or is it going to come in the draft? I don't know. I saw the mock draft that you're talking about, Paulie, and and they, they're talking about an edge rusher. We'll see. But uh, to me, last year, what Vance Joseph did with what he was dealt, it was pretty awesome. Well, if you're talking about one unit that improved year over year. That pass defense, Wolf, because we yes. know what a liability that was in 2019. Yes, Paulie, it's not just that either. It's listen, Chandler Jones. Would you say Chandler Jones was productive, Paul? <laughs> he's very productive, right? Chandler Jones. Um, you could make the argument he's the best edge guy. I thought he was the best edge guy in the National Football League. When you look at Chandler Jones and his productivity right now, when you've got that kind of force coming off the edge, it makes the offense more predictable, Paul. It makes the offense more predictable because it makes their protection schemes more predictable. And when you make the protection schemes more predictable, now all of a sudden Vance Joseph can scheme with better authority in that regard as to what kind of pressure packages or blitz packages you want to bring because you can almost anticipate what kind of protection you're going to get with Chandler Jones on the field. Take him out of the equation. Now all of a sudden it's a little bit dicier. Hey, and look, and and think about this too. Chandler Jones was out with a with a torn bicep. It's not like he you know did something to his Achilles tendon or his knee or something. He he's going to be able to fly around. Okay, he's, he's going to be back, and he, he's going to be he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. I promise you that. And he's in a contract year. So, there you go. You know, wait. By the way, Rob, as we go to break here, real quick, if it comes down to edge rusher or cornerback in that first round, is there a position you value more? cornerback 100% to me uh, two positions that I value the most cornerbacks and offensive tackles you can, you can never have too many of them <laughs> and I don't I don't know what the position I don't know what situation is going to be with Pat P uh, but we need two studs on the outside let Byron Murphy be awesome in the middle yeah. uh, in the slot because I think that's where he's found a good home agreed Freddie right, so not only a guy who played nearly a decade in the NFL former first round pick saw every snap of the Cardinals this last year but he's also been in a boat parade so that's good <laughs> Wolf's got the boot parade. Rob Fredrickson has the boat parade. So we have all angles covered. Freddie, we appreciate it here on the Big Red Rage. Love you guys. Thanks for having me. Love you too, Backer. Thank you. We continue all presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. three to go. Someone has run on the field. Some guy with a prod. And now he's not being chased. He's running down the middle of 40. Arms in the air and a victory salute. He's pulling down his pants. Put up your pants, my man. Pull up those pants. He's being chased to the 30. He breaks a tackle from a security guard. The 20. Down the middle. The 10. The 5. He slides at the 1. And they converge on him at the goal line. And the players with hands on hips at the other end of the field are looking at him and shaking their head and saying, why, oh, why is this taking place in a Super Bowl? Some guy who was that guy on Super Sunday. That is the uh, great 
Kevin Arlen on Westwood One. See, on TV, they ignore it, Ron Wolfley, but on the radio call, you get some great play-by-play, whether it's Kevin Harlan or own Dave Pash. You know, when there's that guy out on the field and then eventually he gets taken down by security, you know, why not incorporate it into the game action? Paulie, doesn't that happen at Cal Berkeley all the time? <laughs> Well, that guy was on campus, actually. He was the naked guy. Okay. And somehow he yeah. got away with that for a couple oh, of semesters. They, I'm sorry, Paul. They yeah. actually got naked and then sat yeah. in trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and they were up there for about two years, actually, those people. <laughs> so with the excrement buckets. Uh, but we won't go there, okay? So just, just do it. Stop uh, we, it, Paul. I mean, stop it. Just, uh, I mean, what kind of show you're running here? On I the have Red no Rage, idea. Presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. So there you go. That was one moment from the Super Bowl that suffered some of the worst TV ratings in a long time. Uh, and you know what? I just think Kansas City's coaches just struggled at times to make adjustments. They look more confused than those backup dancers for the weekend at Super Bowl <laughs> halftime. I, I just don't understand, Wolf. And if you're asking me, and I'm glad you did, even though you didn't, if we learn something from Super Bowl 55, I think it's the following. That it's not just a passing league. You're right, Pass, Paul. pass, pass. It's right. defense and balanced offense still wins. Yes, Paulie, you're right about that. The balanced offense. And not only that, Paul, can I also say, I think it's a little bit of how you run the ball as well. Mm. It, it's not just running the football. It's also how you run it as well, I think. And I was talking to Rob about this. Freddie, of course, Rob Fredrickson on the show, joined us earlier and was talking to him about sometimes, Paulie, you got to line up and just be better than the guy across. From. Sometimes you've got to put the expectation on your offensive linemen that we're not going to deceive the defensive front. We're not going to trick them. We're going to truck them. We're yeah. going to move them off the line of scrimmage. And sometimes you've got to put that onus, I think, on your offensive linemen. But, man, Super Bowl 55 to me, Paulie, um, it came down to three possessions in that second half by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The two possessions at the end of the third quarter and then the first possession into the fourth quarter, Paulie, they ran the ball 15 times. They ran the ball 15 times wow. in that situation. Nine times, Polly, they were in a power personnel group where they brought a sixth offensive lineman, Joe Haig. They brought him off the sideline and put him in there. Nine times of those 15 times they ran the ball, it was 22 and 23 double, Paul. <laughs> Okay, I mean, we've oh, seen man. that. I mean, that is yep. Bruce Arians, that is Byron Leftwich. That's the play they ran, and they sucked the beating heart of the Kansas City Chiefs right out of their chest. If there was one play in the B.A. Arsenal that managed to own a great Seahawks defense back in the day. That was it, wasn't it? Yes. Wasn't that their go-to <laughs> yes. Paul, against that's what the it Seahawks? Was, I mean, they were up there, and they didn't even have a great offensive line at that point of uh, that point in time. B.A. went up there and said, you know what, we're going to run 22 and 23 double. Paul, they ran it 23 times. 23 times. Now listen, it wasn't like they were gashing the Seattle Seahawks either. That's back when they were the Legion of Boom. They had an excellent defense. They weren't gashing them. They were running it into the pile because the play action is what made it so effective coming off of running the ball like that. And look... We we you've known offensive linemen your whole life. Your brother was an outstanding offensive lineman, Super Bowl winning offensive lineman with the Steelers. And you don't have to ask an offensive lineman twice to attack 
they love to come off yes. the ball and they love to take it to a defensive front. So, you know, you get a lot of buy-in from offensive linemen when you do that as well. And then conversely, when Kansas City had the ball, right. there wasn't much of a run game. No, And boy. look what happened. Look at the Tampa pressure on Mahomes. 29 of 56 dropbacks. He got harassed. Paulie, you know me right now. I, I, don't, I don't question play calling. I really don't. These guys are the best of the best. These guys know it. They sit around all week or for two weeks when you're playing in the Super Bowl and you come up with a plan as to what you're going to do to attack this defense. They're the best of the best, but I thought the Kansas City Chiefs coaching staff offensively failed to realize they had two backup tackles against Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul. Do you know how difficult that is? You had to run the ball to keep them honest on the edge. And when they showed the Kansas City Chiefs that they weren't going to run the ball, they came after them. Hey, the only way, at least the best way to beat an elite quarterback is to get after that quarterback. Yes. And they did. And it was enough. Even though Patrick Mahomes made some amazing singular plays, uh, guess what? The Tampa Bay Bucks get their first Super Bowl win in 18 years. We'll come back and wrap up this edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Let's go, everybody up. There's a first period, a second period, a third period, a fourth period. This is the Browns period. Let's go. Just keep running and picking and looking because there's going to be some holes created. We just, we're, we're getting it a little distorted right now, but we're going to be fine. And you just got to have a little more patience and it'll be there. Okay. There's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. Let's get the gleam. Well, you've got Neil blocking for LT one more time. You got Rivers under center, left hash from the seven yard line of the Denver Broncos. And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone. Charger fans are witnesses to history. I believe he is the finest running back to ever wear a uniform. Uh, that's how I feel. And I don't want to embarrass him, but for all the skills he has as a player, they pale by comparison to the person. Well, the feeling was mutual. LaDainian Thomason calling his former coach, Marty Schottenheimer, quote, the best coach I've ever had. That comes from a Hall of Fame running back in LT. As we remember and salute, Marty Schottenheimer passed away this week at age 77. He was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2014, the eighth winningest coach in NFL history with Cleveland, KC, Washington, and the Chargers. And, Wolf, I'm guessing your paths crossed in Hawaii, probably. You know what, Paulie? They did. Uh, I remember the 1986 Pro Bowl, and it was Mike Ditka for the NFC. Ditka, of course, and the Chicago Bears coaching staff against Marty Schottenheimer and his coaching staff for the AFC. And it was amazing because, Paulie, we, we didn't even we, – we just walked through it all week long. We never even put the pads on. Ditka on, on a Thursday, which is a big practice week, of course, when you're getting ready to play a game on Sunday. Thursday was huge, and we went out there, and Ditka called everyone after five minutes of being on the field, called everyone up and said, you guys know what you're doing? And, you know, we, yeah, coach, we, we know we're doing. Get out of here. I got a tea time in five minutes. <laughs> Sent us home, Paul. Sent us home. I mean, that that's the way we were practicing all week long. And the AFC, Paulie, and Marty Schottenheimer, Schottenheimer put him in pads. 
Oh, they man. were Wednesday oh. and Thursday, Paulie. They oh. were out there on the field oh. in pads, oh and they were hitting oh. at a Pro Bowl. <laughs> you know, now, again, it was more of a thud drill, but right. still, right. they had the pads on, and they were hitting. And you know what, Paulie? We beat them. <laughs> we <laughs> beat them. The NFC beat them. Right. Wow. Well, you know, it kicked in. You guys needed the extra cash at the end of that Pro Bowl week. But that you know, was Marty. Yeah. That was yeah. what Marty was yeah. all about. We're going to run the ball. Yeah. We're going to be a physical team. We're going to bash your face in. We're also remembering and saluting Pedro Gomez, who uh, we learned on Super Bowl Sunday. He passed away at age 58. And for all of us in the Valley who remember, and I go back with Pedro all the way back to the D-backs first spring training. I mean, as I said on Cardinals Underground, the podcast this week, Pedro Gomez was multimedia before there was even the term multimedia. Great beat writer, columnist, ESPN reporter, made the transition to broadcast and TV uh, analyst. And anybody who met him realized just like what Marty Schottenheimer said about LT, he was as great a person as he was in the media, he was an even better man overall. You know what, Paulie? I was going through a rough patch in my life, as you well know, way back near the turn of the century, and Pedro was writing for the Republic back then. He treated me with more respect than I had for myself at that point in time, and for that, I'll always remember Pedro that way. And uh, what a pleasure it was to know Pedro and all our condolences to his family. Uh, that'll do it for this edition of the Big Red Race. Special thanks, Jim O'Mahunter, Cody Fincher, our special guests, Rob Fredrickson, for Ron Wolfley on Paul Calvisi. This has been the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Number one, Tyler Murray! You've been listening to the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.